This month, I'm joined by a new guest, and we're going to talk about my least favorite game in my favorite franchise. But first, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Justin. I'm from Canada. I'm from well, Ontario, Canada, and I'm a patron of Holden here. Yep. I don't know. I didn't have something um, thought out in, in advance, to be honest, which is surprising considering how much I overthink conversations in my head. <laughs> oh, it's fine. So, yeah. So, why are you a patron? Why am I a patron? I, f- I think you make good videos. I, I mostly supported you because I know you online and I felt like throwing a couple, like, I think a buck your way or something yeah. like that. But, I mean, you make good videos and I felt like supporting a friend. Thanks. <laughs> no, just like, I've always wondered. There really was no reason behind it beyond just, hell, like, I can support a friend who's talked to me online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. So yeah, what have you been up to recently? Mostly a lot of Genshin Impact. Well, yeah, I've kind of done a less Genshin Impact lately, but uh, a lot of Honka Impact, so that's just trading one vice for another, really. Yeah. That and uh, playing through the subject of today's discussion and kind of just like I played some EDF with a buddy of mine, Remnant from the Ashes. I played like a little bit of Killer7 recently. I tried that out. Interesting game. Weird game. Yeah. Very weird game. I've never, I've never tried Killer7. It plays a lot better on mouse and keyboard. I'll tell you that much. Like yeah. from just a couple seconds of it, like after trying it with a controller. I did spend a lot of time playing Remnant a while ago, but how far did you get in? So we've actually beaten the entire game. Uh, we're oh, okay. just kind of mopping up achievements before we uh, go into the like major DLC expansion that they did. Or well, yeah. I say major. I think it's like eight hours, ten hours, something like that. It's his, it's his first Souls-like, which is... Oh. It was... He doesn't like Souls likes that much, but I think the melee and like semi melee, mostly ranged gun combat kind of helped. Plus the co op. Yeah, like I had like a similar kind of thing where I tried Oblivion and I couldn't really get into it. And then I went and played Fallout 3 instead. Mm. And you know, just because it's like very similar in terms of mechanics, but like the presentation's different it was enough to get me into it and then i could go back and play the other games as well but yeah like i only got up to the the desert planet thing yeah i can't remember I, the, the names always escape me yeah it's like the second major area yeah yeah we i just i, I couldn't deal with it because um like that sort of point in the game the ramp up the amount of enemies they're throwing at you a lot more mm-hmm. and i was playing it on my own and it just like it really put me off. Yeah, the biggest, like, it's very much feels like a horde shooter mm-hmm. in so much that, like, even the bosses typically have ads yeah. or some, like, gimmick where you're going to have to deal with, like, not just the bosses' attacks themselves, but also, like, the environments coming at you or there's a, a full-on, there's another boss behind you that you have to keep track of, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think the only bosses I remember was ah, oh, I don't, I don't know names. There was one. Uh, there's two bosses for each world, so if you can describe them to me, I can probably name them. Yeah, so there was the tree one. I remember so that. That'd one. be the ant on Earth. Yeah, like I remember that one. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. it was the other one on Earth that I did. It's like it's a, like a big dragon lizard thing. 
No, not that one. It's oh. underground. Oh, okay. Yep. And it like constantly spawning ants, and there's like. Is it? Did you have a big like metal sword or like big chunk of metal for a sword? Yeah, something like that. And he just like he was taking so much damage, and he hit me and like he'd hit, kill me in like two hits. And I just like. Okay, it's funny you mentioned that because that's the first boss we encountered, and yeah. it was rage inducing for him. Yeah. Because it's just okay. There's like I want to say like four or five of the of these almost silent in comparison to the combat music and the gunfire and all that, mm-hmm. like exploding AOE like mobs that one of us has to keep track of. Yeah. And also this boss that's both fast and also hits hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was it. That was like a scythe or something. It was, well, we might be thinking of different ones, but I think we're generally in the same area. Yeah. Like I, I, it's been like best part of a year since I actually last mm-hmm. touched it. So I might just be getting myself confused. Well, I just remember the bosses being like, the levels themselves weren't that bad, but then as soon as I got to the bosses, it, they were just like so much harder than everything else. Mm. Or I actually thought that tree one was like incredibly easy. Yeah, it. I think it helps when you have a lot of uh, open space. Yeah. Besides that, anything else? Nothing entirely much. I mean, I've been sitting indoors for the better part of a year. <laughs> yeah, I think most of us have. But I've got the house to myself for the week, so that's nice. Yeah. Family's out and on a vacation of sorts. Seeing my brother a lot. I had, like, my family went on holiday for two weeks last August. Mm. So I had the house to myself then. That was nice. Nice. And then... Since then, it's been everyone here again, and it's just mm. loud all the time, which is the reason why I record when I do. Yeah. it's quiet then. Mm. Yeah, I think I've just been... I finally finished Cyberpunk. I did that today. Nice. I did the last of the five endings. Mm. I actually really enjoyed it. Like, I know everyone else didn't, apparently, but I did. I thought it was really good. I haven't played it. I've seen plenty of people saying it's god-awful and that cd project red should burn where they sit or what have you but i do like i saw i was just scrolling through twitter like while i was waiting for us to start recording and i saw someone had uh, done an analysis of um the cutscene or like the scene leading up to when you meet the lady that like i don't i have as i said i haven't played it so i don't know the names but right before that first brain dance uh where you meet the two Girls at the bar. Judy and um, Evelyn. Yeah. And just yeah. kind of an, uh, analyzing how like the scene is com- composed and how characters are placed in certain spots so that you're kind of, without thinking, funneled to a specific seat to talk to the bartender. How, uh, I believe it's Judy, is standing mm-hmm. uh, like in front of the seat next to the other character. Um, and when you sit, so you can't sit down next to that character. And it just kind of naturally without like kind of railroading you guides you into the position they need you in for that scene and how they kind of ground the character by having them pick up objects in the environment, how they like whenever they will take a a drink of like a shot or anything like that, or uh, take a drag from their cigarettes um, that that's when you have a chance to uh, respond. And it's just those tiny details that I think are, I think are really cool and like really well thought out. I think it is a really good game and it, it's just a shame that it's kind of having to, or it it has to live under this 
giant specter of yeah. being what it was supposed to be or not being what it was supposed to be and just management and all that trash. Like, what gets me is, like, it got announced so long ago. Mm-hmm. Like 2012, I think? Uh, Something like that, yeah. yeah. Might have been 2013. That one trailer? Yeah. Well, I feel like people have just, like, really built it up for themselves a lot. Because, like, I always thought it looked interesting, but I was, like, never super invested in it. And then I got it, and I just really enjoyed it. And that was, like, mm. it. Like, I, I didn't have, like, huge expectations going into it. And then I ended up spending 95 hours playing it. So I definitely enjoyed it. <laughs> but it just feels like other people played a very gif- very different game from what I did. Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, like, I, as I said, I haven't played it, and mm-hmm. I, but I do still have it on my wish list, and I do still want to give it a shot once it's been patched, uh, hopefully, and all that, like, all the issues that I've seen brought up about it have been dealt with. I do still want to give it a shot. Yeah. But I do feel like it's almost a, a No Man's Sky kind of situation where people heard about it, and then marketing kind of, built it up a bit and then people kind of took what they wanted from those marketing like the e3 presentations or the the interviews with the developers and kind of their imaginations went wild and i think that's kind of something that the industry doesn't know how to control yeah sometimes and how people can't control sometimes i suppose i have my issues with it but it's mostly just like mechanical decisions than anything else like Mm. there's um i don't like the way that they sort your inventory (laughs) like that's like it i can understand that kind of complaint well because there's a like you have a you have a stash Mm -hmm. in your house where you can put all of your stuff but it doesn't separate your stash by categories oh god yeah it it, so it 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 separates them by categories kind of okay when you scroll through the list, weapons are at the top, and then... Okay, that makes sense. It goes ranged weapons, melee weapons, armor, and then, like, split into different armors. I think hats are at the top, or shoes at the bottom, like, somewhere like that. And then uh, consumables. It goes in, like, that order. But it's it's not tabbed. Yeah, no, exactly. The reason it bothers me so much is because it is tabbed in your inventory, but just isn't Ugh. in your stash. So it's just more awkward, and... That just seems like a bad designed choice. Like, yeah, you're supposed to kind saying. of like unify that kind of thing, right? It causes like actual issues, less so now than it used to, but especially around the start of the game. Mm-hmm. When you have a lot of stuff there, it because of the way it's laid out, it refreshes the entire list every single time you put something in or out of it. Mm-hmm. So you'll be you'll click like to put a gun away and then wait three or four seconds until the list updates and then you can do the next thing. It's funny, Genshin actually kind of has something like that where I don't know if it's uh, like a like a loading performance issue or like the because yeah. it's an online game or what, but like so going between each tab in your inventory, which it does have tabs, but every time you go through a tab in your inventory, it takes a second while it loads up all the art assets yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and it's like well, I I kind of need to get like over to this side of the the tabs. <laughs> it's just like a lot of little things like that. Separate from the inventory thing, there's another thing where in your skill, like in your level up screen, mm-hmm. there's six tabs, but the sixth one is never used. As in like it's empty for a DLC, maybe? Maybe, but I don't think so. Like it, mm-hmm. it, there was something came out the other day 
and I don't know how accurate it is, but originally there were supposed to be six skills, oh. and then they removed the sixth skill. So what I was told was that technically the sixth skill still exists because removing it would have caused issues. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I can understand that because like that does kind of make sense at least. Although it's a terrible way of programming, I imagine. Well, no, because what I mean, what I think, well, yeah, but no. What I mm. mean is, is that I think it wasn't that they couldn't remove it without causing issues. I think it just would have taken longer to do because what I actually think in, in my head, it makes sense that this isn't a skill they removed. It's a skill that got merged into other skills. Mm. So rather than removing that skill, what they've actually done is just set like set the variable at the start to skill A equals skill B. Mm. And then just like never you like then whenever it calls the skill that got removed, it just calls the right values. Mm. So it's not that they didn't remove it. It's just that like actually going through and changing all the references would have taken longer than just writing skill A equals skill B. Like that's what I think. I'm like I might be wrong, but it makes sense to me at least. But mm. what gets me about it is that they didn't change the UI for it. Yeah, that's the only thing that bothers me. It just still shows up, but it's empty. Well, no, and that's why it actually bothers me. If it was just empty, then that says that they didn't do anything. But what they actually did was give it its own UI animation that is never used anywhere else. Which says to me they put work in to hide it when they could have just removed it and it wouldn't have been an issue at all. So wait, hang on. So I guess run me down what the, uh, like, just in general, what the these five skills are and then what the six, like, what happens when you click on the sixth tab, I suppose. Okay, well, it's literally just six tabs on the screen. And okay. when you hover over them, you can click on them. But on okay. the sixth one, you hover over it and it plays like a little, like, blurry filter animation. And that's it. So, like, it, like it's almost like an error uh, yeah. that you, like, in-game error kind of, like... Oh, your your HUD is, or your HUD is distorted, or Johnny's doing something. What that says to me is that they spent the time to create a custom animation just for that, mm. and then add it in, as opposed to just removing that piece of the UI. Yeah, that's bizarre. It's weird, but not only is it weird to me, it feels like a really bad decision on like a design level because. And like I can use myself as an example for this. I didn't know that this skill didn't exist. So I literally mm. had 13 levels spare that I just kept just in because case. Because you thought you were going to get a skill. Yeah, exactly. Because I thought I was going to unlock a skill later on in the game. And then I had a load of points to dump into it if I needed to. Because I was level like 48 by the time I found out that this skill didn't exist. Assuming that like you had gotten everything else, or uh, like if I was playing in this situation and... I had gotten everything else I wanted. I would have done the same thing, to be honest. Yeah, that is exactly what I did. And I, like I say, like you said, rather, that's something you do. And I feel like it's something a lot of people would do because it's having it there is this promise. It's like this promise of like content. It's this expectation mm -hmm. that something will happen. Yeah, you'll get like a power up and then yeah. suddenly, oh, oh, you've been upgraded to well, Cyberpunk like 2. <laughs> or Penis 2. Penis 2, there we go. Someone in the Discord was like, saying that they thought it was going to be a skill tree just for Johnny, mm. which wouldn't actually make sense. But, you know, like, this, that other people were thinking these things too. That'd, that'd be cool yeah. in some way. I'm sure that could have come up with something interesting to do with that. But that's what I mean. Like, other people were thinking these things too. It's just, it feels like they have completely set themselves up for this situation where people are let down because they made the wrong decision. Yeah, that, that's really fun. It's almost like ironic in a way like 
even in their own game, they've managed to set up your expectations only to let you down. Yeah. Like once they've actually released the game, they've designed it to be uh, to let you down. It's not like the game's without flaws, mm-hmm. but I think people are focusing a lot on open world bugs in an open world game. Yeah. Open world games are just hard to test. Now, granted, I think some of the bugs are a little bit more uh, to steal uh, a term that Pat uses plenty, uh, egregious. Yeah, I'm not going to say they're not. But what I will say is I ran into a whole, like, three or four bugs that I thought were actually issues. Mm -hmm. Like, in the very final mission today, I ran into an issue where an enemy spawned in the floor. So I just reloaded the save about two minutes beforehand and replayed the section and it was fine. Mm -hmm. Like, it was definitely annoying, but in my playthrough, that is the worst that I found. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of different like takes. Like some people legitimately didn't run into any of these issues that people encountered. Mm-hmm. I ran into mostly graphical issues, and this is kind of me making excuses. But I'm not making excuses because I know that it's wrong. But I'm just saying, like in my head, I could magic it away because mm-hmm. a lot of the graphical issues that I ran into were stuff like textures on screens not quite looking right and stuff and it just it just kind of worked as part of the world yeah yeah like it just kind of felt right like on a technical level yes it was broken but in terms of the world the world itself being like digitally based Mm -hmm. means that a lot of the stuff in it when it went wrong didn't feel like the game was breaking it felt like more real because it was like you know when you walk into a shop and like the the screen that usually has like the adverts on it and stuff is just running fucking the windows desktop because someone's fucked up like it felt like that sort of thing yeah or like i've I've seen big screens like when i was when things were still open and i was going to the college campus i've seen like the big announcement screen have the windows desktop with a little error message and like nobody's noticed that apparently there's something gone wrong again like i get that on a technical level it's an issue but like it made sense in the world for me, so it didn't actually bother me all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one, there was one graphical issue that did really bug me, and it just just because it made me like deeply uncomfortable. Because mm-hmm. one character spawned and started talking to me, and as we were talking, she developed another set of eyes. Yeah, yeah I could understand why that would make you uncomfortable. The description itself makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, it was really weird because they were like next to each other and they'd move together. It was just really uncomfortable. I think it was just like that, like she had like two eyeballs, which is a thing that people like a thing that sometimes you do when you make models, you will put like two sets of stuff in them and it's just for different uses or whatever. Like I realize I'm not explaining this very well, but I think I think the best explanation is that the inside of a uh, 3D polygonal model is not the same as what's inside of a living, breathing human being. Yeah. If you stick the camera inside of a uh, the 3D model, you're not going to see blood, guts, and all that stuff. It's just going to be uh, like two orbs floating in the air, like probably a set of like teeth that are smiling for some reason because of the way you have to model that. <laughs> like I say, those are probably the bugs that bothered me the most. And besides that, like I had a pretty good time with it. Mm-hmm. So like it, it just feels like a lot of the time when I'm talking to other people, like we've played very different games. And like, maybe I was just lucky with my playthrough, but... To touch upon a game that I've played and that you have played, I don't know if we've had different experiences, but Watch Dogs Legion. I mm-hmm. have a lot of very negative 
uh, feelings regarding that game. I haven't finished it because of the state it's in, and I know you finished it, and I don't necessarily think we played different games, but I essentially what I'm saying, just trying to get around to saying, is just that I respect other people's opinion. Like, I respect mm-hmm. the right to have enjoyed something that I didn't enjoy. Or yeah. respect someone else's right to ha- have enjoyed something that I didn't enjoy. One thing with Watch Dogs that I will say is that I did my review of it and I've scored it too high and I'm not totally sure why. Mm. Like, if I'm being honest, the scores in my reviews don't really matter. Mm-hmm. Like, the scores in my reviews is mostly a measurement of how much I enjoyed the thing, which is why most of them are about the same all the time because I have issues enjoying things. <laughs> Who would have thought if you have depression, it means that it's hard to enjoy things? But. Apparently it's true, um, which is why just about every game that I do comes out at a seven. Because mm. just about if it's anything less than a seven, I probably just don't finish it. But I do think that I should have given Watch Dogs more like a five or a six than a seven. To me, it's just, it's such a step back from the previous titles. Yeah. That's, that's really what disappoints me the most. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed two the most. Yeah. Yeah, two's like the best one. Part of me liked Legion just because... It was nice to drive around somewhere and just be like, oh yeah, I recognize that place. I'm like, yeah, I've been there. Stuff like that. I think, but, and I was excited. I was ecstatic, in fact, when I when they added in that, that patch that, or they patched in the end, like the extra ending to two and people figured out, oh, hey, this is this message or whatever is coming from London. Ooh, it's going to be London mm-hmm. com- uh, that we go to next. London's calling, etc. And it just feels like such a disappointment that, to me at least, it was wasted on a like an idea they had that didn't really hold as much water as they thought it would. Yeah, I think, and this kind of ties in with what we're going to talk about today, Mm -hmm. they put so much emphasis on the technology that they forgot to make a good game. Yeah. They put so much emphasis on this whole... Play as anyone. You can play as anyone. And then you you do play as anyone, but you don't really. Except they're flat. They have little to no personality. Well, it's just not worth it either, is it? No. I don't care about these characters. I ended up playing the very first guy that I picked mm-hmm. all the way through the game, mm-hmm. except when he got injured or something. Yeah. And then I switched to one of the DLC characters because they were just so much better than everyone else. Because they paid to win. And then I'd switch back to my guy again every now and again. I didn't see the point in, like, I, I only recruited people when I was explicitly forced to buy the game. Yeah, and that's even more funny, It's because it's like, play as anyone, except when we need you to play as this very specific character. Yeah. Or very specific character archetype. It's still a unique mm-hmm. character, except they wear the same clothes as all the other of this archetype, and also have the same abilities and weapons. The game is, like, completely broken if you use the, the ride-on drones. Because mm-hmm. they just, like, they just remove all challenge from the game. Yeah. The enemies typically take a while to notice you, even if you're on the drone, so just yeah. go in, get what you need, and leave. That's what I was doing a lot of the time, but also, like, I'm sure, I might be wrong, but I'm sure in 2, mm-hmm. and probably in 1 as well, but I'm sure the drones used to have, like, a range. Like, you couldn't take them past a certain point or something. Uh, so, in 1, the base game, it was just cameras. You did still have a range on it, uh, most likely because of, like, having to load in assets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Bad Blood DLC with T-Bone, uh, they had like the precursor to Marcus's two drones with the mm-hmm. little like RC car, and that had a limited range before it would start to like fizzle out, and then you'd have to 
cancel back or go back into the area of operation, so to speak. And then in two, they they really expanded how far you could go, but there was still a very there there was a point where you had to stay within, or you would have to like get your drone back and that sort of thing. Yeah, like I I would quite frequently just call one of the rideable drones mm-hmm. and then get on top of it and then just ride it between the objectives and then occasionally I would like I wouldn't even get off half the time because i'd just throw my spider bot out and then let the spider bot do the mission because that was also like not only was that like safest not only was that like the easier option it was also just generally more fun to play as the spider bot like if they released a game where it was just you playing as the spider bot i would probably be quite happy with that i feel like they did that maybe with a different franchise i think there was like a mobile only splinter cell minigame i think it was part of blacklist or whatever like it wasn't the same drone but it would i think it was even called like spider drone or something like that okay like the spider drone was like way more powerful than yeah it should have been if you wanted it to be reasonably balanced but it not being balanced made the game more fun so it's one of those times where i'm like this is unbalanced but i prefer it this way yeah absolutely and uh, like the the drone can do anything you can do and it can also cloak itself and it can also jump it can actually like jump on command and it can fit through small, uh, small spaces <laughs> like i know there is one type of thing it can't interact with mm-hmm. and i also know that it can't do um proximity stuff mm. so if you have to be within a certain area it can't do it you actually have to be there which is bizarre to me because like wouldn't it just be like a relay from the thing you're stealing to the drone and then to yeah. you like it didn't make any sense but but yeah like outside of those two things i can't think of a time when the drone isn't just the better option yeah i will say though that i don't know how you was like you put up with flying around on the big drone because good lord those things are slow oh yeah i know they're so slow but when i've got the choice between i could go slow Mm -hmm. but never have to even worry about like any issues or I can go in quick and maybe die. Like, half the time, I'm just going to take the slow option. Now, I suppose I should ask, did you, like, fly from one end of the map to another to do, like, to get to the next mission, do you mean? Or just between, like, in-mission objectives? Usually just between the in-mission objectives. Okay, I was. Uh, that's kind of what I meant more. Yeah, like, I, I did do a couple of, like, areas, you know, like the subtasks in the areas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, the, the billboard stuff. Yeah, yeah like the... Uh, yeah, like, I did... Yeah. I did like get on one of the drones and just fly between all of those mm-hmm. in one of the like in each of the areas, but I don't think I ever flew like actually across the map in one because they're just so ridiculously slow. Like I mean, I know they're, yeah. just, they're big and they're like hefty and all that, so that obviously they should be slow. But at the same time, they're like incredibly slow. Mm-hmm. But when the choice was, um, especially with the like billboard stuff. You'd have to climb up it, do the billboard, climb back down, get in a car, drive to the next one, climb mm-hmm. up it again. And it's like, I could just get on the drone, fly to this one, and then just fly to the next one. And you just end up taking, if if not less time, at least the same amount of time. And it was like, at least somewhat more interesting to see everything from above than spending all my time climbing. That's fair. Yeah. So do you want to talk about Breath of the Wild? Yeah, because that's we've we've now hit uh, about thirty, well, exactly thirty-three minutes into this podcast recording, and we haven't even mentioned it until this moment. <laughs> to be fair, the podcast will literally be called Breath of the Wild. Well, so. there we go. I thought I thought it was a secret, so I was I wasn't mentioning. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, 
I think I spoke about it in the last podcast anyway, or at least alluded to it anyway. So, you've been playing Breath of the Wild recently. What do you think? I have a lot of conflicted feelings regarding it. I think it's a good, like, I think the moment-to-moment is pretty fun. I think a lot of the side quests are decent, if not pretty fun. I think the main story is, for the most part, kind of weak. Like, actually, in fact, I'd say it's really weak, except for the, like, I would say one, one, like, guardian or, sorry, one champion that I liked, which was the, uh, the Gerudo champion. She was mm-hmm. voiced really well, I think, compared uh, yeah. to, like, literally every other character in the game. Yeah, Abos is great. I like Mifa as a character, but I actually just really don't like her voice acting. I, I would say that as well. I like, I think there was only one character, or one of the champions that I didn't like, and that was the Rito, and to be honest, I think the entire Rito subquest to defeat the Divine Beast felt almost, like, slapdash and super short compared to everything else. So like, what order did you do them in? So I did uh, the Zora first. Well, actually, I went to... I met, I met up with Ampa. I did that entire like little area yeah. of quest lines. And then went on to do the Zora and took down that, like the elephant. Yeah. From there, I went and did the Goron area. Then I did yeah. the Rito. And then I did the Gerudo. Yeah, I think that's exactly the same order I did. Although I did go and, like, start the Grudo area. Right. But then, like, I think the exact thing that happened was I went in, spoke with the, like, the leader of the town. She mentioned, oh, like, you say you're the 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 champion from 100 years ago, but where's the sword that seals the darkness? And I was like, well, now I feel kind of, I've, this child is mocking me for not having the Master Sword. I have to go get the Master Sword. <laughs> So I run off to the lost woods and like spend the next like 15 hours or something like that. Cause I had spent all my upgrades into stamina cause I wanted two wheels. I think I only put one into stamina at first mm. until I ended up getting max hearts. Well, you can swap them as well. Oh yeah. No, I, I figured that out. Yeah. I ended up like just trading in like my last stamina chunks for my last heart that I needed to take out the master yeah. sword. I just wanted it to be symmetrical because of like internal goblins. Yeah, uh, one thing that really bothers me about that is that it's um, there aren't enough shrines in the game to fill out both everything. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, it's really annoying. There also there also aren't enough armor slots in the game to hold all of the armor. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I thought it would just expand normally. <laughs> because they added new armors with the DLC, you can never hold all the pieces of armor at once. Jesus. Yeah, I think that three there's three slots and 12 shrines short of having enough for everything i didn't even know that the armor had like a limited number of slots i thought it was infinite in comparison well it, i thought it was infinite and then the only thing you had to upgrade was the weapon like the swords or the melee the ranged and the melee, uh, melee ranged and shields yeah no i i can't remember if it's like you have to upgrade them as well or if it just like doesn't expand past a certain point but you can't get all of the armors in the game if you get all the dlc so you have to not get the dlc armors Jeez. or not get all the base armors it's, it's kind of ridiculous and i guess that kind of leads or dovetails into uh, what you were saying earlier about like games that are made with the idea in mind without yeah. thinking about how they that those like ideas and mechanics funnel into making a good game yeah so like my thing with breath of the wild is 
I think it is a good game and it's a very good open world. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a good Zelda game. I would say about the same, yeah. When I think of a Zelda game, I think of, you know, basically any Zelda game since the second one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, they all have pretty similar structures, whether they're 2D or 3D. It's always like, go around and do the dungeons and use the thing you get in the dungeon to do the dungeon and then leave and then progress. And then they like dabbled with uh, like non-linear stuff like in um, Skyward Sword. Maybe I, I didn't play much of Skyward Sword, so I can't actually tell much. I about. haven't played it either. I just, I assume that might be what you're talking about. Cause I know that game isn't uh, very liked and I figured that might yeah. be the reason. Why. Oh no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just purely thinking about the, uh, what's it called? Link Between Worlds. In Link Between Worlds, you can do the non-linear stuff because mm-hmm. you can buy the stuff to access the dungeons in whatever order you want. Mm-hmm. So they've like dabbled with non-linear stuff before. I mentioned this to you actually uh, right after I'd finished the game. What was it? The part that didn't fit for me, like in terms of understanding why I had these conflicting feelings about the game, is it's not their first time with all the pieces of the puzzle that they've like made the game out of. They've done yeah. voice cutscenes before. They've done semi-open worlds before. They've done mm-hmm. a darker, more like nihilistic, or not nihilistic, but like darker, more brooding, edgy theme before. Re- like I say, like I mentioned when we were talking about Watch Dogs, it really feels to me like they focused so much on the like technology of the open world stuff that they just forgot to make the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And it also feels like they completely misunderstood the point of some of the open world stuff. It's almost funny how much it's a Ubi, like Ubisoft template of it. They even have towers that open up the map or like expand and yeah. show you the map. <laughs> they knew that they had to have side quests, mm-hmm. but they, there's like no reward for doing any of them. Yeah. Like they've got the shrine quests that reveal a shrine. They've got yeah. Some quests that give you some rupees. They've got others that give you literally nothing. A lot of people, especially when it first came out, we were talking about how like their thing was that like the exploration's enough for them. And it's like, okay, that's great. It's not enough for me. Mm-hmm. Like I need something, but two hundred rupees at the end of like at the end of a quest isn't enough for me. Would you say like a uh, a particular vista or something like that? Like count, like you get to the end of the area and you get the rupees, say, but you also get this view that they've tailored so that when you get to here you happen to get this particular like artistic view not really no okay like not for me fair enough but, so what i'm getting at is right there's always been like side quests in game in zelda games mm-hmm. like i'm thinking like particularly about the like trading quests and stuff yeah like in minish cap as you yeah, yeah or like the quests that get you bottles mm-hmm. and stuff like that like there has always been side quests mm-hmm. but the rewards were always something i actually wanted and the rewards in breath of the wild are just not the rewards are some rupees or sometimes you'll get a weapon and it's like yeah because i can't just like walk five feet and walk across 300 weapons and then and you get the weapon and oh good i can't carry it yeah or it's just not as good as any of the other things you've already got but then there's like the weapons are the the weapons the quests themselves are like some of them just go on forever Mm -hmm. like especially there's um is that the one that I'm thinking of is the one where you've got to show different weapons yep. to yep. the kid in I can't remember what the town's called. And I hope you remember that you uh, that he wants 
X weapon and you like you've happened yeah. or you've happened to check the the quest list because it won't like update and tell you like up in the top corner. Hey, you've got this weapon. This kid wanted to see it. It just like it just like infuriated me because like you would even you'd go through all the effort of doing it and just get nothing in return. I think there was like a couple of quests. I'm pretty sure it just gave you groupies. There's like a couple of quests where I thought, yeah, this is worthwhile me doing. And most of the quests, most of the side quests I felt were worth doing were the ones that just gave you the DLC armor, mm. which, as we've just talked about, isn't actually a good idea if you want to keep all of the armors. Mm-hmm. So, I beat the game and I only found two of the, uh, the Great Fairies, so like I didn't even need oh, did you? to upgrade my armor that much. I was going to say I feel like I'm too harsh on Breath of the Wild, but I don't think I am, to be honest. I don't think you are either. I, I, I think it's a serviceable game. I don't think it's like God awful or anything, but no, I don't think it's a 10 out of 10 masterpiece. No people calling it like the best Zelda game ever. I have no idea what they're talking about. I would say Ocarina of time is still a better Zelda game. I would yeah. say that Minish Cap is a better Zelda game. Yeah. And that's not even, it's not even made by Nintendo. If someone says to you, I want to play a Zelda game is breath mm-hmm. of the wild. The one you're going to send them to. And for me, the answer is no, not even vaguely. I would say that's, that's to be honest, that's the kind of hard question. I almost want to say yes, but if it, if it was their first Zelda game, I'd say, no, play the, like play Ocarina of Time. It's yeah, like, there's a reason it's, it's held up as such a hallmark game. It like, it's still good to this day. I still think it's open world ish Zelda with somewhat voiced, like there's some, amount of voice and beyond that it still has a proper zelda formula and like it's still a zelda game it's not a open world game that has zelda as like a mask that that kind of is what it feels like to me is that breath of the Mm -hmm. wild is an open world game set in hyrule Mm -hmm. but it's not a zelda game it's a nice time to spend in hyrule but there's no dungeons no like almost no like proper dungeons so that's one of the things that really gets me about this is that because of its non-linear structure, there mm-hmm. is no change in difficulty the entire time. Like there are areas which are harder than others. Because they've got different colored enemies. Yeah. But the actual divine beasts themselves, mm-hmm. which are like, for one thing, you don't even have to do them, which like, I actually mm-hmm. like that you don't have to do them. I, I particularly love the speed run, like the I yeah. think 10 to 15 minute speed run of Brother of the Wild, where they just use abuse the physics engine to fling themselves at Hyrule's, yeah. Hyrule Castle. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, but, it's hilarious. But like, um, because there's like no specific structure to it, like you can do them in any order, which is good. But like, there is no change in any of them. They can't account for that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sure they could. I'm sure they could actually account for it, but they don't. I sure hope they do in the, the sequel. Yeah, well, so what I really hope for the sequel is that it gets actual dungeons. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would like Breath of the Wild way more if it was an open world game with actual dungeons in it. Did you happen to go to any of those, like, big maze areas? Uh, yeah, I did at least one of them. I did the one that was uh, in the uh, frozen, like, the snow area near the Rito. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I definitely did the one on the other side, you know, the one near the uh, lighthouse. I don't think I ever actually encountered a lighthouse. And that's what I think is great about Breath of the Wild is... Like, it is a very expansive open world. Like, yeah, it's and there are locations that are legitimately remember, uh, like memorable versus something like Just Cause. And like the fact that everyone else has a different experience. Yeah, but 
that's not necessarily something that's specific to a Zelda game. That's no. just a open like that's just a good open world. I think I would really like this game if it wasn't a Zelda game. I think I would like it more if it wasn't Zelda. I would say about the same, yeah. It's it's the same way that I kind of like think of Metal Gear Survive as <laughs> this would be a really like good as its own unique IP and the reason that people hate it is because it's called Metal Gear. Yeah. Like I really actually liked Immortals Phoenix Rising, which is mm-hmm. a worse Breath of the Wild, but I just liked it. Like I enjoyed doing it and I I've only heard good things about it, so Yeah, it it's not spectacular. Mm-hmm. But I definitely liked it and like I I know other people who've played it who've liked it as well. There's a reason that I played so much Genshin Impact. It's, yeah. It's kind of like Breath of the Wild except it's a enjoyable story. It's a like it's got good combat. It's honestly mostly the story. Like yeah. it, the the voice actors are good. <laughs> yeah. Like this is it. Like Breath of the Wild is definitely a good game. But mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like Zelda. It no. feels like its own thing and that's fine, but you go into Breath of the Wild with the expectation of a Zelda game and that's not mm-hmm. what you get. And I don't think it's completely out of the question that they can make it a Zelda game, but I don't want Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever they call it to just be Breath of the Wild, but a different palette or a different story, but yeah. the same kind of, oh, go Link, you kind of tripped over a log. You need to go and beat all the shrines again. Yeah. like I, From what we assume so far, from the little we know, it like has yeah. an underground section now. Mm-hmm. So that would be interesting at the very least. It would be a change. And Ganon is... Now hydrated. Yeah. It's very wet. So yeah, like, actually, yeah, what else would you want in Breath of the Wild 2? Honestly, like, just, we, we touched upon, the, like, dungeons. I would like them to, like, really, I don't know who directed the voice acting. I don't, I, don't, I said that I think the, or I said something along the lines of the voice actors or the voice acting in Breath of the Wild is bad. That's not because of the voice actors. I think the voice actors are good. The issue is that the direction of the voice actors was lacking for the most part. They were given a script or they were given direction that did not match how the scenes portrayed them. They're they're speaking out of context. Yeah. I think like the Japanese voice acting was better. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a lot of the time like you get like Japanese voice actors not voice actors, sorry, uh, like directors mm-hmm. who direct english voice actors the same way they direct japanese voice actors and it doesn't work you come like i come back to the uh the english dub of uh, i think it was yakuza two i think it was actually yakuza one kind of think of it uh where they got mark hamill to do yeah majima and you watch that scene and it's hilarious because it's mark hamill and he's wacky as japanese joker but there's a reason why that game did not perform very well in english <laughs> Yeah, you need to have that Japanese uh, cast, or just like well-directed English and well-directed cast. Yeah, yeah. Rather than like picking them out based on how they look, yeah, like Silent Hill Two. Yeah, or something along those lines. I think I can't remember if that's the one I'm thinking of, but no, I'm pretty sure you're right. Mm. I think the main thing I really want in two is actual dungeons again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like an open world with actual like old style dungeons in would be cool and i don't think the divine beasts like aesthetic wise are bad but 
they try to establish such a scale with them. And then yeah. you get inside and they're not really that big. Like they're half an hour to maybe like 45 minutes max of exploring this dungeon. Oh, not dungeon, but this thing. The divine beasts feel like one dungeon. Mm-hmm. Like all four of them combined. Yeah. Come up with one Zelda dungeon. Yeah. And then you get to Hyrule Town or Hyrule, Hyrule Castle or that area. And it turns the map into that divine beast kind of layout, which is cool. That is, like, the best part of the game, probably. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, granted, you can just run straight to it if you want to. I got to Zelda's area, and then I got to the top of that, uh, like, little tower bit and used the wind power to slingshot my way up to the front gate. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I I would do there. I had a route which it took me around the back of the castle Mm -hmm. and underneath um, because it came out on one of the ramparts. Mm -hmm. And then I would use Rivali's Gale to get up on top of Zelda's roof mm-hmm. and then use it once more and then glide across and you just land right in front of the castle. It is legitimately shocking to me how much more uh, threatening the Guardians are compared to uh, to Ganon. The only issue I had was that I was like really bad at parrying. Mm. I'm, I was terrible at it too and I'm considering I like played it via emulation like yeah, 60 frames a second makes it a lot more of a tight window. <laughs> it meant that the last phase of Calamity Ganon, I think it was. Yeah, the last phase of Calamity Ganon was like really rough yeah. for me because parry. of that. But outside of that, like, yeah, like he wasn't that big of a deal. Mm. And especially if you do all the Divine Beasts, yeah. it's way less of a deal. If you don't do them, you do end up fighting all of um, Ganon's first and then Calamity Ganon straight afterwards. And also, you have like, uh, I don't like obvious because I finished the game with all the Divine Beasts done. I, I don't know if it's the case or not, but I. I think you start the Calamity Ganon fight with him at half health. Yeah, while we're talking about that fight, have you seen... I know you've spoken about the speedrun of it before, but I just I really like the way they handle one of the Blight phases in that. I can't remember which one it is. I haven't watched the actual speedrun in a couple of months or something like that. Okay. But I do remember like there's a specific way to goof, like to mess with the AI or something like that. There's, there's just this, there's like a really cool bit where you shoot an arrow mm. and then immediately set off the trigger that spawns them. Mm. Like when they spawn, the arrow is inside them. Oh yeah, and they just take damage during the spawn cutscene and then immediately die. Yep. And it just it just makes me laugh every time. It's it's really impressive to see what speedrunners come up with and how they break games apart. And boy, have they broken apart Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I, I was watching a thing yesterday actually about uh, some tech that was found recently Mm -hmm. which it involves like you spend an hour playing the game Mm -hmm. doing a load of stuff (laughs) like it's it's actually an incredibly complicated oh yeah uh, one to set up it takes forever jumping in this particular corner while whistling and there's multiple one frame inputs that you have to do back to back um within the menu settings Mm -hmm. and what it does is it puts the game in a state where it thinks you're inside a memory while playing. Mm. Like the memories from the past, right? Yeah. yeah. But stuff doesn't load in properly because of that. Mm-hmm. And then you have to beat the game without dying. <laughs> and then just as you kill Ganon, load back into the memory. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of like cancels the entire playthrough. <laughs> so that playthrough doesn't exist anymore. But then you load in to a new playthrough and 
you don't have to do the Great Plateau anymore. Okay. And you have everything that you had in that save file. Okay, that's sounding vaguely familiar now, actually. It's it's like a new game plus or something? Yeah, and you can use the Bow of Light at any time. It's just, like, really cool. Like, is that even a speed... Like, does that count as a speedrun? Does the part where you play through the game without, like... And then delete your playthrough somehow, but you still get the... Usually in those things, they don't count the time mm. that it takes to set up the file. Because, yeah. like, in... Um, in Super Mario Sunshine speedruns, they do a thing called Peach File, mm. which I think it requires some setup in one game, and then it starts immediately after saving Princess Peach on Al Dolfino the first time. Okay. As opposed to like playing everything up for that. Yeah, like usually in stuff where like there's like a playthrough that sets stuff up, the first playthrough doesn't count, and then they start the timer from when the setup file starts counting. Mm. I mean, technically, it's actually down to the individual board itself. Like, it's not like there's, like, one overall body that does all of them, but that's generally how individual places do it. All I'm thinking of at this exact moment is this one video I saw of, how, like, a description of how Twilight Princess has the longest or the slowest speedrun yeah. possible, where you just stand in place and wait for Link's animation to, like, cause him to zone out of the world. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that video, too. The, when you pick up a blue, blue rupee, there is a animation doesn't loop properly so he slightly moves every couple there's an x offset and he just gradually floats to the side and takes like 17 hours <laughs> it's just ridiculous it's but... just like they explain how it was found but like you quite like <laughs> it explains how it wasn't found originally when they were debu- like they were testing the game well you wouldn't would you it reminds me of um i've told this story before but when i went to uni mm-hmm. i one of my courses, it was supposed to be an open GL, mm-hmm. and then they forgot to hire a lecturer for it. So we got a different guy in who'd just come out of the industry, and he was like, "Yeah, no one cares about open GL. I just want to teach him how to do Unity instead." So it was a class on Unity instead. The the fact this actual preamble isn't really relevant. It's all to say we got a new guy. So the guy came in and he was just a guy straight out of the industry. He did not know how to teach a class at all. So he actually didn't last very long. He literally taught us for this one class and then left the uni. Bear in mind, I say he taught us for one class because they forgot to hire a lecturer for us. This was a three-month class, and he didn't start till six weeks in. So this guy was employed by the uni for a whole six weeks before he quit. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Well, it was entirely their fault. Like, they didn't give him any training. They literally hired him on the Monday, and his first class was the Wednesday. Jesus. And he came in, and he just he didn't know how to control a class at all. Mm. And, like, it just wasn't his fault at all. But like he was just stood there at the front of the class being like, oh yeah, people listen to me. And I was like, you don't really know how to do this, do you? And he's like, no. And I was like, it's all right, just leave it. <laughs> like once he calmed down a bit, he was all right. Like he was a good guy, yeah. but he just wasn't good at being a lecturer. But again, I think he maybe could have been if they hadn't just thrown him in like this. Anyway, so it turns out that this guy had worked on uh, Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I found this like, out. The story just gets more ridiculous as time goes on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found this out because it was at the time that the best friends were doing their playthrough of it. Mm-hmm. So I was in one of my lectures watching the watching the playthrough, <laughs> and he just walked over and he's like, "Oh, is that Shaolin Monks?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Yeah, I made that." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> right. So he came down and he was talking to me about it, and he's like, "Yeah, there's a bug in this where if you beat the game." It's either twice or three times in a row, mm-hmm. like back to back. Like not even turn the console off. Like mm-hmm. literally play three times in a row back to back. Yeah. I think it's twice. I'm going to say twice. Play it twice, back to back. 
beat it both times, mm-hmm. then leave the console on for 24 hours. <laughs> then if you beat it again... <laughs> the console becomes sentient. No, no, Shao Kahn spawns without a head. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we never fixed it, because it's not like anyone's going to do it. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So apparently that bug still exists. Yeah. But and it's just like the most ridiculous thing. But And the only thing that I can think of now is why does the computer do that? Or why does like the program yeah. decide like not decide, but like what what confluence of events causes the computer to do that? I think as far as we could tell it was just some form of like as far as they could tell rather, it was some form of memory leak issue. Mm. But it was just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, every now and again you find a bug and you're just like, I'm never gonna fix this, just gonna leave it forever. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's such a ridiculous thing to pull off. There's no point in trying to fix it or like trying to, like the time spent trying to find or fix it could have been spent fixing numerous other issues that were more important to fix. I don't know if they actually did do that on Shadow Monks. Mm. I wouldn't say it was particularly fixed, yeah. but it exists at the very least. The general idea. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea is sound. Yes. Just don't know if it applies to that game all that well. I suppose the one other thing I would want to see with Breath of the Wild like uh, 2 is just not forcing you to have a limited inventory. Yeah. And I don't even mean, like, let's even not go as that far or go that far, but having a larger inventory that you don't have to be throwing away stuff so constantly, like, or having to yeah. rely on, okay, I've got to go find these 600 or uh, odd mini puzzles in the environment to get enough currency to upgrade my slot by one to carry one more weapon that'll get filled almost instantly. Or don't make the Master Sword take up one of those slots. Yeah, that's kind of dumb. Yeah. Because you can't get rid of it, because it's the Master Sword. <laughs> right, because if they had more slots, mm-hmm. it would make the weapon degradation less of an issue. But I don't like the weapon degradation. Neither do I, really. So I don't know if I'd be all that bothered by that. But maybe that would just bother me even more. The entire problem with um, weapon degradation and shield degradation and like bow degradation is... Well, I don't want to use this now because I might need it later. Yeah. It just constantly puts that fear into you. I didn't find out how fun shield surfing was until like right near the end of the game because I was like, well, if I shield surf, it's going to damage my shield and then I won't have a shield. I need a shield. It destroys one of the core mech or it destroys like that entire gameplay system. Like, I feel like Breath of the Wild is a good game, but it's beset by like all of these little issues yep. that some people gloss over a lot of people gloss over i think or even not even gloss over but just it's zelda so like they just forgive it a lot easier or they give it an easier time yeah yeah but it's just weird because like i feel like i should be one of those people Mm. like i love zelda (laughs) like i have so much zelda stuff like i have a zelda tattoo i have like i bought the special edition of breath of the wild i have literally Mm. two majora's mask 3ds's i have so much zelda stuff and yet I'm like, this Zelda game just isn't very good. And I can't forgive its issues. It's really ironic to come full circle that you say that, because at the same time, as me, or as I say, well, I, I really dislike Watch Dogs Legion, I have the friggin' art book like sitting on my dresser. <laughs> and it's really good. I really, It's a really, really well put together, like hardcover, nice art book for a game that I didn't really like. <laughs> no. We kind of like glossed over it at the start, so like you were talking about the divine beasts and like liked the Gerudo stuff, but not much else. <laughs> so I liked like I liked the Zora divine beast. I liked the Goron divine beast. I liked the Gerudo divine beast. 
and I didn't really care much for uh, at all for the Rito, yeah, like the Divine Beast or the the village itself. It's like it almost feels like it was a rush to get it done because you get the quest, for, like you go there, you get the quest, you go to another location, you talk to the guy, he's kind of broody, and then he tells you to break three or four targets which I did in one go because I had two bars of stamina and I could yeah. just go boing, 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 boing. And Hey, you're, you're clearly good enough to go up against this divine beast person. I've only just met who doesn't have the ability to fly on his own, except for a loincloth that he can kind of hang from. Let's take down this colossal, like mechanical beast that can shoot lasers at us <laughs> yeah. with bomb arrows. Oh, that's actually one thing that just reminded me. I remember never having enough arrows. I never had enough um, normal arrows until I yeah. started just buying them. Like anytime I went to a store and there was arrows, mm-hmm. like just regular arrows, I'd buy the individuals and I would buy the bundles all at once. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, thank you. I don't know why you need this many arrows, but okay. I started doing that. And then I got to a point where I had no money. Mm. I, it is weird because I, I constantly felt like I wasn't prepared. We touched upon uh, uh, how like the side quests give you rupees and all that. I found it far faster to just go to the snowball bowling game and limit the FPS to 30 so that the <laughs> physics would behave, stand in the white, right place so that I would always get a strike, and within like five minutes or so, I had more than enough rupees to purchase anything I needed. <laughs> yeah. It's like you've, you've completely... Root, like destroyed any need for me to go anywhere else or do any quests. Yeah. Like beyond story and the story is typically middling at best. I had like the opposite issue because I didn't do anything like that and I just never had enough rupees. Mm. And I think Breath of the Wild is the only game that has made rupees feel valuable. Mm. Like in terms of, well, actually no, that's a lie. The first one does. Mm. Outside of the first 40 minutes of Ocarina of Time, where you have to get enough rupees to get the shield. Yep. Outside of that, I can't think of a time when I've ever been like, oh, I don't have enough rupees. I need to go find more right now. Except for, as I'm saying, in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that's really about right. So it, it's got that going for it. It's made rupees feel valuable, but it ended up just being annoying. But at the same time, it's so painful to actually get them in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I spent most of my time when I was like trying to get rupees just looking around for gems. Mm. And like mining stuff yeah the uh glowing gems or, or like the glowing yeah. ore that you can just sell for 70 and then if you have a good stock of them you again you've solved your monetary issues for the time being it got to the point where i was like i was looking up the ways of um glitching it when i was doing mm-hmm. it because i was doing it like around release yeah. time where you could tilt a guardian on its side slightly oh, yeah. yep and it would just spew parts out i saw yeah. someone's video of that yeah <laughs> hilarious and there was an issue where like if you didn't collect them fast enough it would cause the game to crash. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay i can kind of get why i mean yeah that's a lot of physics objects all at once like, I, I never did that mm. but i did end up farming guardians because it was like the quickest way of getting money that i found mm. i just go places with guardians and farm them again a good example of an open world game where both of us had two entirely different pro- approaches to actually getting currency, but not a good approach in a Zelda game. No, exactly. Like, this is it. Like, there are lots of things about the game that I really mm-hmm. enjoy, and then I just look at it and I'm like, this isn't what I wanted. No. Yeah. Like, I've had arguments with people before where they've complained at me for not liking it because I think it's a bad Zelda game. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, but it is. 
It is a yeah. bad Zelda game. Like, I don't want it to be. Like, when you break it down, like, it's not like we are trying to shit on it because, oh, it's it's popular. It's, oh, it's Zelda. Oh, it's, like, this or that. Like, we just generally have issues with how they've approached and how they've taken open world aspects that the West and other Japanese developers have come up with and didn't really do a whole lot to innovate or integrate those into the struct, like the formula that has made Zelda so successful. Yeah. And yet it still managed to be successful anyways. When Breath of the Wild got announced, Mm -hmm. it would have been a really good game. And then it came out four years later. Was it four years? Was it Uh, longer? Let me check. Uh, January 23rd, 2013, says Google. Yeah, so four years. Yeah, I was thinking because it got, it was originally planned for release in 2015. Yeah, so like, when it got announced, it would have been really good. Mm And then when it came out, it was like, yeah, this is an open world game. Mm-hmm. This is like what I expect in an open world yeah. game. Just Zelda paint. Yeah. And the paint is kind of peeling in a few places. Why is Zelda British? I don't... I don't. <laughs> Just a like fantasy coding mm-hmm. thing about like royalty being English. It's not even good English. It's... It's, it's whiny. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate like the, the, the story they were trying to go for of, of I don't want to be or like I can't be the like mystical princess that who that has the power to help seal the darkness but i can help in a different way if you'll let me yeah. i can appreciate that that's a good like idea or a plot or a good plot point but it doesn't actually go anywhere and in fact it just kind of like destroys itself because oh well i guess i did have the power and i just didn't have anyone i cared enough to protect at the time <laughs> this is actually a lot of what hyrule warriors is about mm. Like, Age of Calamity explicitly is about this. Mm-hmm. And I, I've spoken to other people about this before. I think Age of Calamity is a better Zelda game than Breath of the Wild. I need to play... I need to give it a, a shot at some point. But... Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but... No, 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 no. I don't mean that at all. I just meant... I, yeah. I'm thinking... it. Like, I've seen videos of emulation of it, and it's coming along, so... It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's long, but not that long. Mm-hmm. What I mean is, like, I put three or four hundred hours into the original Hyrule Warriors. As you do with the Dynasty Warrior type game. Whereas I did everything in this one and it only took me 50. Mm. For me, I was like, yeah. Like that was that was as much as I wanted from it. So I'm happy with that. I could have done longer if I'd spent a longer amount of time playing it, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Like I put 50 hours into it in a week. It was just a lot. <laughs> yeah. So by the end of that week, I was like, no, I'm tired. Now I need to stop. <laughs> if I'd spent it over like a month or something mm-hmm. i'd probably I, I don't think i would have enjoyed it more but i could have gone for longer but no like i did like everything in that in 50 hours and in breath of the wild or age of calamity oh no age of calamity mm. uh like i unlocked all of the characters okay. and got all of the upgrades and everything like i didn't upgrade everyone's weapons all the way mm-hmm. but yeah i did like all the main stuff like the, the only thing that disappointed me about the game mm-hmm. right I thought Age of Calamity was a prequel to Breath of the Wild, and it isn't. It did? I thought it was supposed... Okay, I'm now... Is it like... Yeah, I know. Fourth hour, or like a twelfth hour... Oh, you thought it was a it was a prequel, but it's actually like something else, or... Y- yeah, pretty much. Okay. If you go in knowing that, it'll probably bother you less. Hmm. Like, it would have bothered me less if I was less invested in it, and I was just invested in it because I wanted to know more about it. Mm-hmm. Well, pre hundred year time skip, like for as much as we were at least I 
have issues with the voice acting and all, I do think the story that they've got set up is interesting. And I like, I like the technology that they've kind of integrated into Breath of the Wild and like Zelda as a whole. Like that's cool. And that gets explored a lot in how, in Age of Calamity. That's a lot of what it's about. There's a point up to which where I'm like, yeah, this is a really good prequel. And then it immediately hits this point. I'm like, this is no longer a prequel. (laughs) And then I became less invested in it straight away. And I was like, oh, okay. And it's really a shame because I actually think it's a better game than Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. Like it's a way more interesting story. It's weird because, right. So my issue with Age of Calamity is that it is not a prequel to Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. So... If Breath of the Wild didn't exist, I would like Age of Calamity even more. <laughs> so Breath of the Wild is actually at fault here. Yeah. But no, like, it's a really good game, and it's it's weird, because, right, so the stuff that I like about Breath of the Wild is that it's, like, set in Hyrule, and it's a lot of looking at what Hyrule's about sort of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Age of Calamity does all of that way better, mm-hmm. and tells a more interesting story, and it's got, like, non-traditional gameplay, because mm-hmm. it's, like, a different genre altogether. Yeah. Which makes sense considering like the situation that Hyrule is in at that point in time. Like, yeah, it wouldn't make sense to have just a couple enemies to attack and fight. Like what I'm getting at is that if the two games were like mixed, mm-hmm. they would both be better games mm-hmm. as it is. I just, I can't think of a way of framing this properly. I just feel like breath of the wild. Like there was too much focus on it being an open world mm-hmm. and not enough on it being a good game. Yeah. <laughs> And despite all that, I still do kind of want to go back and finish up stuff like the the post game or not post game, but like the expansion content, like the yeah the stuff that kind of goes more into the the champions and all that. And mm-hmm. like I saw like the divine beast bike or whatever the link gets, I kind of want to try that. Like, so my only issue with that bike mm-hmm. is that by the time you get it, it's not really that useful. And that's kind of like that is a letdown. Yeah to say the least like what more do you have to do in that game once you've gotten that bike at that point like it it was the very last thing you get in the last piece of dlc that was like if you did it in a different order Mm -hmm. then yeah it would be useful but you can't even get it until you've done all the divine beasts yeah so at that point you're already more or less in the end game so yeah it just helps you get around a bit faster but it doesn't as well yeah I don't know how much you know about it, but it uses resources as fuel. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was... I was under the impression it was just a battery that slowly runs down and then you have to wait for it to recharge, kind of like the Master Sword. Again, I think having the Master Sword as a battery-powered weapon is a yeah really stupid plot device. <laughs> or not plot device, but like they have to make it so that you don't just have it and only it for a weapon, but I never used it outside of the Divine Beasts because I didn't yeah. have to worry about it needing to charge. I know a lot of people who never used it mm. and used it just like as a utility. Mm. So what I mean is like they would use the Master Sword to, uh, like we were talking about mining the rocks earlier, mm. they would use it for that <laughs> because rather than wasting a good weapon on it, they would just hit it with the Master Sword because it would just come back in 20 minutes. Mm. I was like, all right. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know why they would hit with a sword. Like the hammers work just fine. I don't use the hammers in combat, but yeah. But then you lose a weapon. Good point. You save a... Well, I say save. You probably would fill it up with something else you wouldn't use. <laughs> There's like loads of little things like that. Mm-hmm. It's the little things that normally make Zelda special. And in this, despite how like much attention to detail was ma- taken, the little things almost somehow managed to still fall by the wayside. 
So what did you think of the shrines? So I like the idea of the shrines. Like, I know that they were created. Oh, well, I don't know. I wasn't on the design team or anything like that. But the general impression I got was that they were kind of created as mini dungeons because, well, we're not going to put in a full-size dungeon. So here's a little puzzle dungeon so that we can dot these around the map. And that's, that's part of an open world. I like the idea of them. I like the most of them were pretty creative and used parts of the control method. So like stuff like the gyro puzzles or they were combat challenges or they were figure out how to use these uh, tools or these abilities that you've gained to manipulate the environment and reach the end. Yeah. But I would have preferred they be replaced with, or like I would have just preferred if they had done away with the, the shrines and just made, I don't know how many there are in total in the game, but if you had to take, I don't know, 20 of them, like the resources to make 20 of them and smush them together into one dungeon and you can only have however many dungeons that would have equaled out to, I think that would have been more interesting and yeah. like a better use of the resources rather than just copy paste these assets into a series of mini challenges. Like you could just combine four of them together. Mm-hmm and put a heart piece at the end, uh, the heart container at the end, and that would immediately make that feel more important. Or make you choose at the end between a heart container or a salmon wheel thing. I remember there being one of the gyro things really early on, Mm. and I know for a fact that I feel weird about it Mm -hmm. because I like it, but I like it because I played it not in the way it was intended. Um, Are you talking about like the ones where it was like a ball maze, except if you turned it upside down? Uh, you can just use a flat plane. I, yeah. Because that's what I liked about it. That, like, it allows for creative solutions. So, like, that's what I mean. Like, I like that because that's how I ended up solving it. I turned, because I, I played it with the pro controller, so I turned the pro controller upside down. So I had a flat surface and then flipped the ball up like that mm. rather than rolling it through the maze. So I like that. But at the same time, I don't like that mm. because I feel like, A, I didn't solve the puzzle. Mm. And B, I feel like I was. I feel like the puzzle was just like, I, I tried to do it the intentional way mm-hmm. so many times and I just couldn't because it didn't control well enough. Yeah. And it feels like I wasn't trying to solve a puzzle. I was just trying to find a way to make it control the way it was supposed to. Because of how hard it was to control, the uh, when you found that like out of the, outside of the box uh, solution, it didn't feel as uh, like rewarding. It didn't feel like I was like, oh, I came up with a cool solution. It felt like, great, now I don't have to fight it. Yeah, I, I understand completely what you mean. Because those, it, yeah, it just kind of pulls itself apart by, or just it self-destructs on itself because rather than feeling rewarded for coming up with a solution, you just kind of brute forced it. Yeah. It's not a puzzle. It was a something in your way that you had to hit until you broke through. Yeah, like I, I bring this up a lot where I don't like puzzles. Mm. But it's not because I don't like puzzles, but it's because I feel like most people design puzzles wrong. Mm. I think a puzzle should... like The entirety of the puzzle should be in your understanding of it. Mm. So you should only ever be fighting to understand what it wants and never be fighting to make it do what it wants. So I guess in that vein of thought, um, what do you feel or how do you feel towards something like The Witness? I didn't like The Witness. Mm. (laughs) I I don't like the witness because 
it does that. It does exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But because there is absolutely no direction, mm. it is very easy to get yourself in situations where you think you're doing the right thing and then you're not, and then you have no idea yep. where to go from there. Yep. Like there's been there's quite a few puzzles in it where I thought I understood what it was asking of me and then I didn't. Mm-hmm. But because there is nothing else, it, it is like I can't even understand enough to where I'm going wrong to fix it. Yeah. Like I've been playing a lot of um Opus Magnum recently. Mm-hmm. And that was really good. Jacktronics know how to make good puzzles. Yeah. I'm just usually really bad at them. And for once, I'm, I'm doing okay. They're really freaking hard. Yeah. But this one's not been too bad. I can use, for example, this, like the stuff I was doing today on it. Mm-hmm. There is one puzzle in it. Well, there's, there, every now and again, there's one puzzle which takes me forever to solve. Mm-hmm. So the one today, I've been stuck on this puzzle for like three or four days. And I've put two or so hours just into this one puzzle just trying to come up with new solutions and getting them wrong every time and like just over and over. Mm-hmm. And today I finally got to the point where I was just like, okay, no, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm just going to do a different puzzle and come back to this later. So I did the next puzzle and it took me 11 minutes. And like, I was kind of getting to the point with the game where I was like, maybe I've just got to my limit now. Mm-hmm. Then something like that happens where it's like, no, it's just entirely within my understanding of it. Yeah. Or the puzzle wasn't balanced correctly, so to speak. Yeah, like the entirety of the solution is just, I need to understand what I'm doing better. Mm. And one thing I like about it is that because it is like technically about programming, Mm -hmm. it actually works the same way I work in my head, Mm. where I come up with a solution that takes as many steps as possible and then try and build in efficiencies to make it faster. Mm -hmm. The only issue I've got with Opus Magnum is it does have a, you can have as many pieces on the board as you want, Mm -hmm. but you can't take as long as you want to do it. Mm. there is like a hard limit on how many turns you can take that it calls each movement a turn yeah and it's something like a hundred mm-hmm. and because of that i can't I, I can often come up with solutions that take more than a hundred turns to finish but i can't work out the solution to make it faster there's times with the puzzles where it's like i don't care about making it more efficient i just want to get it done yeah <laughs> and it would help me if i could visualize the entire thing and then build the efficiencies in mm-hmm but because there is a limited amount of space, I can't do that. Mm, yeah, yeah, okay. So and then there's there's one other issue I've got with it where, um, say it takes 100 turns to do a thing. Well, no, sorry. Well, say it takes 90 turns to do a thing, mm-hmm. and you're trying to see where the positions of things are on the board on the 85th turn. Mm-hmm. You have to watch all 85 oh, turns. Oh, yeah, okay. You can't just click this bit and what, like see where things will be at that point. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of annoying. Like, I understand, but it, like... A lot of the time is spent just watching the things you've already done. Because the game mechanics won't let you do it in a way that works best for you. Well, it's it's not even that. It's literally just like, I'm like, oh, I can't remember which way this rotation goes. Mm -hmm. So I'll press the play button and then sit there waiting for it to get to the bit that I want it to. Mm. It's like, can I just just click that bit of the turn order and you show me where the things are in that turn and then I'll just carry on with the rest of it yeah there's a lot of just sitting around waiting for stuff which is kind of annoying but like other than that the the reason i brought this up is because i think opus magnum has really good puzzle design Mm -hmm. where it is entirely within my understanding of the thing is how to make it work better Mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of the time zelda doesn't have good puzzle design well especially breath of the wild doesn't have good puzzle design Mm -hmm. where it's mostly in like you can work out how to do it but then it's like fighting things to make it work the way you want it to or in another case i've like there are multiple puzzles that or rather multiple shri- uh, shrines that kind of follow the same puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like I encountered at least two where, uh, okay, so there's a ball and 
that ball needs to go into this hole, but uh, the hole is over there and there's a platform that it makes go up towards the end that I need to be standing on. Okay, so I need to time putting this ball down so that the ball will roll and be propelled into the hole, but I have to stand in this one place so that I can roll the ball. Yeah. And once you've done one of those, you know how to solve the rest. <laughs> yeah, but then when you get it wrong, it's like the rest of the time is just spent setting up again. Yeah. And then going again. And like, that just annoys me. It's like, at that point, I know I did something wrong. Mm. This is how to fix it. But there's no reset button. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, well, I have to wait for everything else to happen again. And then I could do this. Mm-hmm. And it, More so in those examples, it's less that and more, I understand exactly how to do this puzzle, but it took me half a second too long to get to this place. Mm. And now I can't do it. Yeah. Like, that's just not fun. No. That's just frustrating. Like, is there anything else you want to say about Breath of the Wild or just about anything in general? Well, I just, I hope that anyone listening to this uh, can forgive me for, or forgive us for jumping between topics and games so much. Yeah. Well, it, it helps if you can, like, bring references in constantly, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I would say so. This ended up being, like, more of a talk about open world games in general than specifically Breath of the Wild, but yeah. I suppose that makes sense. Actually, just while we're still on the topic vaguely of open world games mm-hmm. one thing i did like about cyberpunk which i know other people didn't like is that it doesn't have loads of like side stuff to do mm. and i don't mean the side quests because like it did have a shit ton of side quests and i did every one of them but it didn't have a bunch of like oh go over here and you can play poker yeah that sort of stuff i other people will say that that like makes the game feel less real and i can completely understand that but i just don't care about that at all like that stuff never interests me mm. So not having that there just made me way more happy because <laughs> I was just like, there is. It, it, it wasn't even a matter of I have to ignore this now. It was just, it doesn't even exist for me to care about. I, I almost argue that those are cheap. Like those yeah. are empty calories almost. Oh God. That, so that's actually one of the things I really dislike about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm. I understand why it's there, but there's like rap battles. There's like poetry battles sorry, in that what? game. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's like poetry battles in the game. Okay. I was just like, don't care wow. at all. I did not expect to hear you say that. I, I was like, oh, so he's going to talk about the uh, like the enemy camps or whatever, like the, like no. the outposts or something that are copy based or something like that. Yeah, no, there's there's rap battles, and I was like, yeah, I did the one that it gives you as a tutorial, and I'm like, okay, never going to touch this again. I, I think just all of the little side content like that in that game, I just don't care about. Like, there's that, there's drinking battles. Look at that, I can understand. Yeah, well, you, you have to, like, drink a beer as fast as possible, and that's, like, it. I mean, that was in Watch Dogs, come think of it. <laughs> I, just, I was just like, oh, I just don't care. I don't care about this. And then there's a dice game. And I actually like the dice game, mm-hmm. but I did a stream of it. Right? The stream was an hour long, and 20 minutes of it was spent on this dice game because I started it, and I didn't realize how long it was going to be. And it just took forever and I was just like, I just don't care. Just let me finish. Have you ever played... Oh, God, what's it called? Oh, God, I can see it in my head, but I can't think of the name of it. It's the, it's a board game, mm-hmm. but it's a digital board game. Okay. Armello, that's Armello. it. Armello. Um, I played a little bit of it at the recommendation of a friend. The only reason I bring it up is because it is basically that dice game. Okay, yeah. The the combat in Armello is you roll dice, and it gives you, like... Oh, okay. I see. Attacks and defends and like little things like that. He's almost exactly the same dice. Yeah, for me that was never really very fun because it's just it's just a game of chance. Like there's, and it feels yeah really crappy when you get into an, uh, an encounter where 
you have no input on how it's going to come out and you didn't have any choice in going into this encounter. So in Valhalla, there is actually some choice in what you do Mm -hmm. because you get like five turns to roll dice. Mm -hmm. So you roll each turn and then you choose which dice you want to keep and which ones you want to Mm re-roll. And you can see your opponent's dice as well. So it's like picking to counter what they choose, basically. Mm. So there is more to it, but you still end up in... Like, I still ended up in a situation where I just couldn't win. Yeah. And I was like, okay. But then I ended up in this situation where I couldn't win very early on, <laughs> but had to play the rest of the game, and it took like 20 minutes. And I was just like, I just don't care. Just please let me finish. Yeah. Jesus. I feel like that a lot with, like, side content in games. Mm-hmm. Like, not the side quests, but the little, like, mini games and stuff. A lot of the time I don't care about them, and I do... I like that they're not in Cyberpunk. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. People, people have said, or I've seen people say at least, that, oh, like, Watch Dogs Legion, I really appreciate that they had that, like, that kick-up minigame or that uh, combat arena or whatever. It just feels so cheap to me. Like, those are yeah. so... E- like, uh, I, I'm saying so, so easy, but, like, I don't know how difficult that would be to implement. But yeah. it just doesn't add anything it's like as i said it's just empty it's empty calories yeah especially when they put that stuff in and then like tie stuff to it within like upgrades and shit like i think in valhalla you can unlock stuff based on how well you do in the poetry stuff and i'm just like i'm never gonna see this content because i don't care or i'm gonna suffer through it just to see the extra content and i'm like i don't want to i don't want this here I suppose I should ask, so um, have you played Yakuza 0? Uh, I'm literally doing an LP of it right now. Oh, well, so what I know. At time of recording, it's finished last week. Okay. Bullet Witch. Mm-hmm. So the sentence for that comes out this Saturday for recording time mm-hmm. and last Saturday for when it goes when this podcast will go up. So as soon as that sentence goes up... I don't know how you do this, man. Like I, You just said words and boy, did that hurt to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so that bullet witch sentence will go up last Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then the Monday following that, which will have been the last Monday, mm-hmm. will have been the restart of my Yakuza 0 LP. Okay. The reason I brought it up, really, though, was how do you feel about the mini games and, like, the side content? Well, not side content. We already established, like, the mini games, the, yeah. the gambling, the bowling, the the arcade like game because i think that adds to the experience see like i get why people do but i just don't care mm. like i don't want to do that i want to just play the game That's but i also feel like i have to because i know there's like friendships and stuff that are tied to how well you well not how well you do in bowling but how frequently you go bowling mm. and stuff yeah like i'm gonna have to do it but personally i don't really care mm. that's fair i like when i like when they're there for other people mm. but it's never been something i've cared about that's fair so Speaking of Yakuza 0 and the conversation we just had, Mm -hmm. my Yakuza 0 LP just restarted. We're on, what, episode 6 now? Will be this Monday after this podcast. So, yeah. (laughs) It's going to take me forever, because at at, at time of recording the podcast, I've just recorded episode 8 of that, and I'm still in chapter 2. Yeah, it's a long game. I'm shocked Wooly is playing through it. (laughs) I'm about 8 hours in, and I'm on chapter 2 still. Mm. I also have like this real deep fear with it where I keep being worried about missing side quests and stuff. Yeah, I, I can feel that. I, I just I I prefer to play all of the side quests and stuff. Mm-hmm. And because it's like got this weird structure to it, yeah. I don't 
know how. I kind of worried that I'm going to miss one. Because mm. uh, I know some of the side quests you can only do during certain chapters and they affect things in later chapters. Because like, I know about the business stuff. But I do know that, like, in at least in 4, because I've watched the best friends play through of both games, like, multiple times at this point, that mm-hmm. 4, you can flat out, like, fail uh, side quests. Yeah. See, I don't like that. I don't like failing stuff. Because it, it's not very fun to be playing a game where you want to complete everything, but, oh, you made a dialogue choice that was incorrect, or you did something wrong, and now you can't complete this quest anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's... Actually, one of the things that happened to me in Cyberpunk, mm. there is one achievement I can never get, mm. and it really bothers me. There is a character who dies in the story, okay. and you can save them, mm. and I didn't know. And to get this last achievement, you have to save them. Mm. And I'm like, great. <laughs> this is just like one achievement in the game I'm never going to get, because it would mean replaying the entire game, and I'm not doing that. No. Oh, and there's, there's one side quest that I failed as well mm. where um at the end of the prologue but sorry, actually no after the prologue you wake up in your apartment and walk outside and a side quest starts and then apparently i failed that and i have no idea how it's a, it's a side quest where he goes like they say can you check on this guy for me and you go yeah okay and the prompt is come back in a few hours and check mm-hmm. so i was like okay so i left and did all the side quests and then checked and i'd failed it and i was like great but by the time I found out, I'd played for like extra like four or five hours. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not replaying five hours of the game for this one side quest. No. But it just means I'm never going to see that either. No. Like, I hate failing side quests. No. <laughs> it just sucks. It's content that you do not, uh, yet you are being told that you did not do a good job on and you can't, you don't get to see anymore. I had a similar thing happen in uh, Near Automata as well, actually. Mm. No, I, I know I haven't brought it up on the podcast before because I've never been on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know if I brought it up to you at all, ever, but I, for whatever reason, didn't take uh, Yoko Taro's final message very seriously. Oh, I've not finished it, so I don't know. I mean, in the sense of like what the game asks you to do at the end of your final playthrough. No, that's what I'm saying. I haven't finished it. Okay, then I won't spoil it, but suffice, yeah. suffice to say, I did not complete the game properly. Unless it's the same as what happens at the end of Nier. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I could guess. I didn't. I didn't think he. W- I. I called his bluff, and he wasn't bluffing. <laughs> there is a side quest in Near Automata mm. where I can't remember what it is, but there is a bit where you have to go to the like. I can't remember what it's called. Like a. It's not a beach, but you know where the sea is. Yes. Yep. The uh, right where the uh, where you go off to fight the big uh, Goliath thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the issue is, is that I didn't realize that was the end of that playthrough. Mm. Um, and there is a side quest that takes place there. Mm-hmm. Like it just, that side quest hard fails mm-hmm. once you reach that seaside area. And I didn't realize. Mm. And I was like, great. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just saving it for a bit later. At the end of the game, once you've unlocked chapter on like select, like that. <laughs> like it, it actively put me off doing it. Mm-hmm. Like it just put me off playing anymore. So I've actually, I've only finished my first run. Mm. Like, I unlocked the second run. Sorry, I started the second run, and I just haven't been back to it since. Mm. Like, I keep meaning to, and I just, like, keep getting distracted and doing other things instead, like putting 95 hours into Cyberpunk. (laughs) And I mean, I don't, I still enjoyed my time with the game. I just Mm -hmm. feel bad that I effectively reset my progress on completing all the achievements and stuff. Yeah. I have to go back to it at some point, because I feel compelled to do so. But I've been waiting years to try and forget as many details about the game as I can. <laughs> it just feel weird for me, because like, I did all of the endings of 
original near back to back and i just don't feel the same way about automata as i did about the original mm. like i just prefer original near like okay. so much like it's not that i think automata is bad or anything i just think like other people really like automata and i'm not saying it's bad because i don't think it's bad i think it's really good but i just don't think it's as good as the first one and i feel like the first one i'm very much looking forward to the uh the the, the remake the remake because i yeah don't have the hardware to play the original right okay but i do like as i mentioned i think well i know we discussed it this at the start of the podcast like i don't think you should feel bad for not liking something that other people like yeah like it's not that actually it's the opposite i feel like other people should like the original more Mm, that's fair (laughs) it's really good (laughs) well it's just like a lot of people really like automata Mm -hmm. and act like it was like groundbreaking and stuff and i'm like yeah, it has a lot of similar themes to the original Nier. That's really good. You should play that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, I guess we'll find out in like a couple of months if yeah. your wish comes true. <laughs> yeah. Because I I mean, I imagine Yoko Taro, the madman that he is, is going to do something strange and make this not the same game, but just a remaster. <laughs> I, the only thing I know so far is that it's Replicant, not Gestalt. Yeah, yeah it's uh, Brother Nier, not Papa Nier. I don't know. It's a cultural thing. Yeah, I know. But I, I just mean like, um, I know a lot of people who prefer Le- Replicant to Gestalt. Mm. And it just feels weird to me. Mm. Like, it's not like it's bad or anything, but I just feel like some of the some of the tone fits better with like him being the dad yeah. and some of it fits better with him being the brother. I think the relationship with his daughter makes more sense if it's his daughter, obviously. There is a part of me that like in my heart of hearts just wants to believe that the madman actually is hiding the fact that you can actually play as Papa Nier. Like there's the second playthrough is the entire game as Papa Nier. Well, apparently he didn't like that. <laughs> uh-huh. Apparently Yogotaro doesn't like uh, Gestalt. Mm, yeah. Cause it, they were like, he was forced to yeah. make it that version for the West. So like the relationship with like his daughter makes more mm-hmm. sense. If it's his daughter, but the relationship with, the brother and his sister. No, but what I mean is the relationship with basically all every other character makes more sense as the oh, brother. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, the way that all the other characters talk to each other makes more sense if the character, if Nier is younger. Mm. But the relationship between, like, him and his daughter makes more sense that way. Mm. But, like, that might just be a me thing, but... Again, it's a case of, well, I've seen it played through, but I haven't played through it myself, so... That's about the Yakuza LP. Mm-hmm. And near apparently. Yeah. Um, also, uh, my Star Fox tier list came out recently. That was really good. No one watched it, but it was good. I won't watch it after we are done recording. It's, it's fine. Just like, I just really like Star Fox. And it's also Star Fox's birthday this month. Like, that's why I did it this month. Fair enough. I really like Star Fox. I also really don't like Star Fox. So You're a person of many... Conflicting opinions. <laughs> I think it's, it's just a series with, like, really good games and incredibly bad mm-hmm. games. Damn you know. It's just a shame the way it gets treated mm. now. Yeah, the only other, like, channel update I had was that the Bullet Witch LP finished, but that finished weeks ago at this point. So I think that's about everything. I want to just thank you for having me on, Holden. To the people listening, don't worry, you probably won't hear from me again. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We'll get you back on if there's something to talk about. Oh, yeah, I mean that more in the sense of uh, I don't know when I will again have time to talk as openly like this. 
I, I, I had no doubt in my mind that you would be open to having me on again. No, my only issue is when I can't get other people on, I have to do them on my own. Mm-hmm. doesn't go as well. Yes. It's not that it goes badly. It's just that I feel like way more uncomfortable doing it. To your, like, or to praise you a little, I do enjoy those episodes. And the fact that I've I've recorded this episode with you means I've effectively, or stopped myself from having content to listen to because I don't like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> That's fair. I know a lot of people don't. Luckily, I do. I've always liked my own voice. No. Which makes editing my own voice a lot easier. Yeah, I bet it would. <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you for having me on. And uh, I'm really glad that I pushed through Breath of the Wild so I could participate in this. Because it was fun. Yeah. Discussing it, I mean. Not playing it. To, to, to wrap up all of that, I'm sure other people out there will like the game. Mm-hmm. And if you've not played it, you probably should. Because it is a good and game. And a lot of people did like the game. A lot. <laughs> it's just not a Zelda game I want. And it's a Zelda game that I think could stand to improve with a sequel and i hope that nintendo does i feel like it gets too much praise yeah like i understand letting people like the thing they like and i'm not trying to say you're not allowed to like no, them, absolutely not. but it's the people who are saying sort of like it's the best zelda mm-hmm. game or that it's like one of the greatest games of all time and i'm like it's just not it's just not no like it's a it's a good game yeah but there are, there are better open world games. To speak of a better open world game, Horizon Zero Dawn yeah. is a better open yeah. world game. Yeah. And it came out literally the same week. I had no idea how much I was missing out on. Mm-hmm. Because to compare villains, I do not have anywhere as uh, near as much hate for Calamity Ganon or Ganon as I do for the true villain of Horizon Zero Dawn, who I will not name, but fuck him. <laughs> Kalami Ganon is not a threat. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, he's less threatening than the Guardians are. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I don't even mean as like um, I don't mean as that. Mm-hmm. I mean like he doesn't feel like a threat to the mm-hmm. world. There is like it doesn't feel like anything has gone wrong with him. He just sort of is, and you wake up and you're like, you have to fix this, and I'm like, okay, seems to be going fine. <laughs> Whereas like Horizon is like Horizon isn't even about fixing anything. No. There's nothing to fix. I want to find this out. It's a revenge quest for the most of the yeah. story. Well, at least the start of it. And then that revenge quest leads into other more important like quests. And like I think Horizon functions as an open world better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In that what I mean is, right, I don't feel like Breath of the Wild needed to be an open world to be the game that it is. In terms of its like game structure, yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the story it told, there is no reason it really had to be an open world. Like, the story itself didn't lend itself to that. The story could have been told in a Musou style. And it did get told in a Musou style. Yeah. But I feel like the story in Horizon is the only story that I truly feel deserves to be an open world, because I feel like it being an open world reinforces aspects of the story. Mm-hmm. Specifically the bit where, like, you leave the Nora lands mm-hmm. for the first time. It's specifically that section where, like, you go from being like in this enclosed area to being outside you've never seen husks of buildings you've never seen <laughs> like full-on like bits of old world structures because yeah. those, those don't exist in the Nora homeland the game structure itself goes from being like a sort of more closed off area mm-hmm. to an actual open world but also she goes from being within this like small encapsulated ball to being into a larger space than she's ever been in before and it feels it's like the mechanics there reinforce the aspects of the story which is like why i say why 
Horizon is the only open world that game that I feel really needed to be an open world to tell the story I did. Mm. I stuff really good. It's like my favorite game of that year. I'm really excited for Forbidden West. Um, I hope it comes to PC because, and I hope they use a different studio than what they did yeah. for the PC port. Because boy, they really had to clean up after the mess that the company they hired created. Yeah, I remember talking to you about it when you first got it and you're not liking it and i'm like yeah it's a shame because it's great i liked it or I, I disliked it at the start because i have serious trouble with awkward starts specifically stuff like uh child out uh aloy like playing with the the focus and like rost watching from the corner going like Arr. it's like oh god <laughs> this is this is i can see this happening in the real life oh <laughs> And I get that that's probably part of the like one of the tones they were going for, but like uh, yeah. it it's it turned me off for a while. Not to mention the ish, the performance issues, but I am so glad that I stuck with it because it is just <laughs> it really comes into its own. And to hear about the designer of the machines having passed away was just such a a terribly sad thing to see. Yeah, so yeah, go go play that instead. Yes. You know, in a long roundabout way, go play Horizon Zero Dawn, not Breath of the Wild. It's a better, it's a better, better Zelda game. Like it has dungeons. Yeah, it does actually have mm-hmm. dungeons. They're they're short for the most part, but they have a set path. They have enemy encounters. They have a boss fight at the end, and you get a reward that you care about. And it's a worthwhile reward mm-hmm. too. Wow, I when you really think about it, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Horizon is just a very good game, yeah. which. A lot of people already like, and people should like even more, because it is really good. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people would have liked it more if it didn't come out at the same time as Breath of the Wild. I, and I believe I spoke with you about this, but Breath of the Wild, or Breath of the Wild, sorry, yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn and uh, Far Cry Primal mixed up, because I thought they were both, like, because they're both print, like, they're both set in a primitive time, or rather, like, they have a primitive setting. Yeah. Despite coming out a year apart. (laughs) Yeah, just, just go play Horizon. Yeah. You can play Breath of the Wild if you mm-hmm. want. But everyone should play Horizon Zero yes. Dawn. Because it's really good. The PC port has been fixed. We're playing on PS4. I don't really care. <laughs> just play it. Yeah, you can play on PS5 yeah. now. If you can get one. I wonder if you can play it on PC. I, I, I realize you can... No, no, I get what you're saying, but via PS now? Yeah, I wonder if it's on PS now. Something to check, I suppose. I still need to get back to uh, Horizon, though, because I... I got into the uh, the Frozen uh, Wilds, and then they patched it, and stuff like the terrain would start unloading, and it was like, "Oh, good, this is great." I need to figure out how to roll back, and then I, you got in touch, and we kind of talked about doing this podcast. So I cannot describe uh, enough how much I love the designs of the the machines. Yeah, I know they're great. Even beyond just like how good they look, to, like in terms of being imposing or being friendly almost in like the the more deer-like creatures or the more regular kinds but mm-hmm. like when you take down i think it was bellowbacks yeah the, the big ones with the like the sack on their back yeah yeah i know what you mean at least yeah. on pc the texture work on the like inside of the sack is just so like you can see the leather or like rubber like texture on it yeah. and it's like, like that's such a small detail that most people aren't going to see because they're not going to like bother looking at the machine that closely. No, I, I, so I did just check. Yes, it is on PS now. Yeah. So there's even more ways to play it. I, I, one thing I really like about it as well is um, they have this 
thing I mean, they called it like hyper realism mm. i can't remember exactly how it works because it's been a while since i watched it it was a gdc talk mm. but they essentially like render multiple versions of the camera at like, all times mm. and then they like choose between the best looking picture mm. and then display that one okay. because they th- said that if they went for a realistic approach mm. it would start looking weird so they said instead of going for a realistic re- approach they went for an like they decided to shoot past realism mm-hmm. and make it look better than real. Yeah. And by making it look better than real, it stops feeling weird. Yeah. It's why the game is so beautiful at all times. Yeah. Like look, the inside of old ruins, like with the glowing mm-hmm. like purples and ice and all that, like reflecting that light is just it's really, really freaking pretty. Yeah. Like I I think in like the um like Forbidden West, the like ray tracing stuff's gonna be like hopefully make it even mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. i'm still a little bit upset that it's forbidden west and not the title that i thought it should have had but <laughs> I, I don't think you've ever mentioned uh, like i don't know what you initially thought of, or rather which yeah no I'm, I'm trying to explain um you know like zero dawn's called zero mm-hmm. dawn right i was hoping that the sequel would be about one of the other attempts at saving life mm-hmm. so it would be named after those okay i see so like the other parts of yeah like the, you know the arc that they sent into space I've forgotten its name right now but I was thinking about the Odyssey or Odysseus or something, like, something that. like that yeah the next Horizon game had been about that mm. one I thought that would have made sense okay like it, it's just not the direction they went which is fine but like in my head I was like oh it'd be really cool if it was bad mm-hmm. I thought it just would have been cool if the arc came back I just hope they allow us to lock the camera to one side yeah I remember you saying <laughs> it's like surprising it's not a thing because it's like a pretty default thing in a lot of games it's just disorienting because I, I get what they were going for because they want you to be able to see like as much of the terrain and what's ahead of you at all times. But boy, the execution kind of leaves much to be desired. But that's one issue I have in all of the game versus the two or so hours we've just spent. Talking about the issues with Breath of the Wild. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I have Holdcoin now. Oh, nice. That's a thing. So Holdcoin, it started as a joke. Okay. We were just, like, when all the GameStop stuff, yeah, yeah. when all of the GameStop stuff was happening. Wait, that was yeah, well, we were talking about the cryptos as well at the same time. Mm. So we made a joke about Holdcoin, which was my crypto, except we made it a real thing. It's not a crypto, mm. but what it is, is a loyalty coin system. Okay. It's kind of like, like Disney money. Okay. Every time you give me a dollar on Patreon, mm. you get a Holdcoin. Nice. And... The idea is is that you'll be able to use these to like trade in and get things. Okay. So right now you can't, mm. but you will be able to. Oh, good. One thing I'm gonna do is stickers. I know I'm doing stickers. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I thought you were gonna just say like, oh, you can tell me to make a video. I was like, well, you you already. That's part of the part Patreon thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, like, you only get Holdcoin for giving me money anyway, so it's like functionally the same. Mm. But yeah, like the idea is is that like if you get enough Holdcoins. You can give them to me and I'll make a video that you like or some shit. Fair enough. But also, like, yeah, I was going to make stickers, like actual stickers, and send them off to you. The only issue with that is, I've said this to a few people already, is it's just kind of expensive. Mm. I'd have to spend some time working out a value which makes sense for people. Because, mm. like, 10 hold coins is basically $10. Mm. But it's actually about as much as I'd have to charge for one sticker. And that isn't really worth it. The issue is, is this that international shipping is really expensive. So I'm still working on prices, which is why this isn't like a big thing yet, but it's a thing that I'm doing. Fair enough. And 
like as I come up with prices, I'll post them. <laughs> Alrighty. So yeah. To recap again, Breath of the Wild's okay. You can play it if you want. Horizon's better. You should probably play mm-hmm. that. So yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think that's about it. Again, I, we we were kind of signing off earlier, and now I'm signing off. Yeah. Again. Thank you again for having me, and hopefully at some point I can come on again. But if not, I hope your viewers or listeners are okay with my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, um, yeah, I'd be like happy to have you on pretty much whenever. Mm. It's anytime I can stop talking to myself for a bit, help. Fair enough. <laughs> right. I'll do my outro now. Right. So like, I bring this up every time, but I sound different when I've written things than when I'm just talking off the top of my head. Mm. It also makes editing a lot easier when I'm reading stuff. But Did you actually do the highlight thing you were mentioning for your editing later? Oh, no. Okay. Not at all. Good. I left one. <laughs> so at 33 minutes and five seconds, I wrote bot. Uh, and that's it. All right. That is the only note that I made the entire way through. So what that means is that I then have to, as I listen to the podcast back to make the edits i also have to constantly take notes as to what we've talked about and that's how i get the timestamps. that's gonna be tough this time i have a spreadsheet that recalculates all of the times Mm. so what i do is i listen to the podcast get the raw time of when like when we change topics or whatever point in the spreadsheet and then the spreadsheet spits out the times for that plus the intro on what's it called anchor Mm. and that plus the intro on uh, youtube and that okay just because it makes my job a little bit easier <laughs> so yeah outro to be honest i thought you were going to uh cut to a pre-canned oh no no i i do my outros live <sighs> actually this is a different outro than usual <laughs> because i decided that when i i do have another outro that goes at the end of the outro mm-hmm. but it's just where i thank my patrons mm. so i realized it didn't really make sense for me to be to thank my patrons and then immediately thank my patrons again <laughs> So now what I'm going to do in my outro is instead of thanking my patrons, I'm going to use that month's outro to thank my new patrons for that month. Mm. Because that makes sense. Fair enough. And also these people, uh, like they've paid for a lower tier, so they don't get in that outro. And I feel bad. (laughs) Like it's just not the reward that they get, but it makes me feel bad. Mm. So I want to do it somewhere at least. Fair enough. Special thanks to my new patrons, Booty and Teflon Chariot. You can join them over at patreon.com slash Gatsby, and for $1 a month you'll get to see what I'm working on early and get exclusive roles in my Discord, along with other rewards I might think of. You can also just follow me there if you want to for free, as it's probably the best place to see all of my content as soon as it's available. There's links to the Patreon, along with my Discord, Twitter, Twitch, and all the other podcast platforms in the description for this episode. Finally, don't forget you can email me using podcastby at gmail.com if you've got anything you want to say. Thanks for sticking around. Bye. You're allowed to say bye if you want. Bye-bye. Special thanks to my patrons, Heaven Over Hell, Justin Wood, Hobbs, Koopy Vegeta, Gunrunner, and Water. <laughs>